Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. things. We want to welcome those that are watching uh, over the internet this morning. We are uh, in the middle of actually concluding a series this morning, and so uh, I know many of you that are here have been gone for vacation or on school break, and I want to try to catch you up just real quick. I don't normally do this anymore. Uh, we let you just read your catch-up card, but I, I, I need to make sure that you kind of understand where we're coming from so that you understand what we've been talking about. Uh, it came to my attention several weeks ago at General Conference that uh, we had a church growth consultant uh, come in and speak to us. He studies churches all over America, and he made this statement that there's a shift taking place in America. We feel it. Anybody feel the shift that's taking place in America? Like it or not, there is a, is a, is a shift, and he made this statement. He said it's not that there are any less Christians, it's just that the categories are changing. Uh, it used to be that most of the Christians fell into what he called convictional Christians, which are Christians that build their whole life around the, the tenets and the teachings of Jesus, and it matters what Jesus says and how he told us to live. He said that most what's taking place is that the, the majority that was in that field are moving up towards what he's called cultural Christianity, where we look more like the culture than we do Jesus. Don't, don't shout me down while he was preaching good. Uh, he, he talked about the fact that now Christians look more like Hollywood then they look like the Jesus of the New Testament. And they don't really base their beliefs anymore on what Jesus said. They, they, it's what feels good or what is their truth. And so out of that, I came back to you and I began to declare to you that I'm concerned because what I sense is a famine approaching. There, there are two stages of uh, famine. Basically, there's a famine approaching and there's a famine that's here. And, and I could say to you that there's a famine that's here. There are signs of it. The early stages of famine could be uh, discerned not only here, but across this movement called Christianity, it's, here are some of the symptoms. It's the glazed over eyes. It's the lack of uh, passion. It's the lack of participation. It's the lack of anticipation for worship. It's the lack of concern. It's lack of action. It's lack of obedience to the word. It's la lack of discipline in any area of our life. And I said to you that if we're not careful, that can take root in this body. I know we call ourselves passion, but if we're not careful, uh, th this famine can take up residence here as well. I told you that one of the reasons that that takes place is that famine is a direct result of the plague of plenty. When we've been so blessed and when we've had God give us so much favor and so many things take place in this body and abroad, that what happens if we're not careful is the plenty that we experience causes us to take it for granted. Esther sent out an email to the leadership team this week. I think it was uh, appropriate. She was reading in Romans chapter 11, verse 8 and 9, and it says this, God has put them in a deep slumber. Their bountiful tables have become a snare. Think about that. Our tables have been so full of the blessings of God that if we're not careful, we go to sleep and we be, the, the blessings of God themselves become a stumbling block, a snare to us told you that those of us that are uh, are dealt, dealing with the plague of plenty, that what takes place is then we find ourselves trapped in the prison of preference. Now it becomes about whether we sing the right song or not. If it's not done by the right group, then we can't worship. 
don't shout me down. If it doesn't have the right rhythm, we can't worship. If the preacher doesn't preach the right way, we can't worship. If he's too loud, we can't, we can't listen. If he's too soft, we can't be blessed. And we become very picky. And we allow our preferences to become more important than his presence. And so I said to you, I asked you a question dealing with out of the Old Testament when, when uh, the children of Israel begin to complain about manna. I said to you, what if manna is still the means by which God wants to feed you? Your preference for fish can cause you to wind up dry. So we've got to be very careful and make sure that we don't allow our preferences to become more important because God may still be using manna in our life. I also told you that I believe that this famine is in the early stages and we need to make some steps and take some steps to stop it before takes up root. So here's one of the issues, the last issue that we're going to talk about in this, this series that I believe is a key issue for us if we are going to resist and fight famine. I believe that famine, uh, one, of the, one of the challenges of famine is that those of us that are experiencing it, if we're not careful, we become acclimated to or content with rations. Let me remind you this morning that in the New Testament, Jesus makes two astounding statements that we have discarded and we have dismissed. The first one is this. He says, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. I don't know what that means to you, but to me that does not sound like famine. That does not sound like rations. That does not sound like just getting by, just making it by the skin of my chinny, chin, chin. To me that sounds like being blessed beyond measure. Blessing upon blessing, wave upon blessing, but we've dismissed that and we become content and we settle for rations. The second statement that Jesus said was he was talking about us when he said, greater works will you do than I did. When's the last time you walked on water? When's the last time you turned water into wine? I didn't say when's the last time you bought wine. I said when's the last time you, okay, I, I know we're supposed to be in a Pentecostal house, but I also read some of your Facebooks. I, I said when's the last time you turned water into wine? When's the last time you walked by someone and they got healed because your presence was in the house? He said greater things. So what's taken place is that we have become famished and now we, we've become content with just this little morsel or a crumb or a taste and that becomes all we expect, all we desire, and really that's all we want. We want just enough to get us from Sunday to Sunday. It's just rations. So we dismiss and we discard authority and we do away with dominion and we forget about power and we forget about the overcoming ability that we're supposed to have. And we need to realize this morning this truth. If you don't catch anything else I say this morning, please, 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 please catch this. We must realize as a body we must come to grips with this fact right here. God does not feed people that are not hungry. In fact, Mary sang a song uh, in the New Testament when Mary is visited by the angel that tells her that she is going to have a son and he's going to be the deliverer, the savior of the world. She sings a song. In her song, she speaks to the truth that I just shared with you. She says this. She says, he has filled the hungry with good things but has sent the rich away empty. You missed it. The, those that are hungry are, have been filled. But those that are self-sufficient become self-reliant and they end up empty. Jesus would later say, blessed are those that, are, that, that hunger and thirst after righteousness. They will be filled. In other words, if you're not hungry, you will not be filled. 
our hunger determines whether we will, we will, we will be filled. In fact, uh, I want to remind you this morning that Jesus responds to those that are hungry, and he responds to them with the miracle of multiplication. Jesus himself stops right in the middle of a sermon that he was preaching, and he sees hungry people, and he's moved on by compassion, and he's determined to meet the need that is apparent of that, in that day, and he feeds those that are hungry. I just want to say to you this morning that if there's no hunger, then there can be no miracle. And if there's no hunger, then we, we will become satisfied with rations. I want to make a statement to you this morning. I know it's a blunt. I know it's a painful statement. I know that it may bother you a little bit, but this is the truth. Here it is. Our church will grow in proportion to our hunger. We will grow at the speed of hunger. You missed it. Our church will grow at the proportion in proportion to our hunger. Our church will grow at the speed of our hunger. We must remain hungry. If we are full of hungry people, then and only then will we grow. If we are full of content people, then we will stagnate. And if we stagnate, then we die. Because if we stagnate, we become very comfortable and content with rations. I want you to understand this morning that we cannot become content with a ration of salvations. We cannot become content with a ration of impact. We cannot become satisfied with a ration of influence. We cannot be satisfied with a ration of, and a few crumbs of His presence or an occasional glimpse of His glory. We must be hungry. As I've stated, I, I don't think we're alone in this situation. It's just that our responsibility is this body. Listen, this morning I want to say something to you. Just because the cry for me has drowned out the cry for more in other places does not mean that we can become content or allow that to take place here. I'm going to say that again. We cannot allow the cry for me to drown out the cry for more. We've become so self-centered in our pursuits that we have allowed in churches all over America. People walk in every Sunday morning and cry out for me. I need me. I need a microphone. I need a platform. I need a blessing. I need influence. And we allow me to drown out the real cry, which should be, we just want more. I'm not responsible for all of those other bodies. I'm responsible, and you're responsible for this body. Our body must come to this place where we are not content until we see the more that God has promised us. Let me see if I can help you. I want to show you. We've, we've read this passage of Scripture countless times in the last 10 years, but I want to show you the practice of becoming friends with famine. I want you to see it in Scripture. I want you to see someone that is reveling in rations and content with rations in Scripture and recognize that we can't live there. It's found in 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 5 through 15. Listen very carefully. Elijah obeyed God's orders. He went and camped in the Kareth Canyon on the other side of the Jordan. And sure enough, ravens brought him his meals both breakfast and supper, and he drank from the brook. Eventually the brook dried up because of the drought. They were in the middle of a three-year drought. Then God spoke to him, get up and go to Zarephath in Sidon and live there. Important passage right here. Listen to what it says. I've instructed a woman who lives there, a widow, to feed you. So he got up and went to Zarephath, and as he came to the entrance of the village, he met a woman, a widow, gathering firewood. And he asked her, Please, would you bring me a little water in a jug? I need a drink. 
as she went to get it, he called out and said, I swear, as surely as your God lives, I don't have so much as a biscuit. I have a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a bottle. You found me scratching together just enough firewood to make a last meal for my son and me. Listen to this. After we eat our rations, it doesn't say rations, I added it. After we eat it, we'll die. And Elijah said to her, don't worry about a thing. Go ahead and do what you've said. But first make a small biscuit for me and bring it back here. Then go ahead and make a meal from what's left for you and your son. This is the word of God of Israel. This jar of flour will not run out. And the, the bottle of oil will not become empty before God sends rain on the land and ends this drought. And as she went right off and did it, just as Elijah asked, and it turned out, as he had said, daily food for her and her family. The jar of meal didn't run out and the bottle of oil didn't become empty. God's promise fulfilled to the letter exactly as Elijah had delivered it. Here's a woman that was entirely satisfied with rations. That's the, that's the account that we just read. A woman, a widow woman who had just enough to get by for one more meal and she was satisfied. In fact, uh, she was going to eat it and die. Listen to what the finality in her statement. We're going to taste a few crumbs and then we're going to give up. We're going we're to kick the bucket right here. We're going to throw in the towel. It's over. We're going to eat our little bit. And that's all we're going to do. We're going to die. Famine has been accepted. And once it's accepted, hear the statement. It becomes fatal. If you accept famine, it becomes fatal. Notice the irony of this scene, if you will. Here's a woman that is ready to settle for a last meal, and she's face to face with an abundance. Uh, come on now, stay with me. Here's a woman who's ready to put out the last dinner, one small biscuit, and we're going to die. And she's face to face with all the provision that she has need of. I can't get any help. Because isn't that a picture of where we are? Isn't that the face to face we are encountered with that we have experienced? We've sung about it all morning long. He's faithful. He's, he's able. There are miracles at our, at our disposal. There are, there are things that we can gain and have access to. But we miss it when we settle for, for famine. We're face to face with all we need. We're face to face with more than we can imagine. We're face to face with all that we could desire. But many of us, like this woman, we are convinced that it's okay to just eat a little bit and then die. And it's over. We must refuse rations. From this account, I want to say a couple things to you, and then I'm going to get out of your way. I, 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 want, I want to show you that what it took for her to come to the place where she would no longer accept rations. The first thing that I notice is in this passage is that Elijah calls her out. I, I just came to tell you this morning that if you're, going to re, if you're going to refuse rations, then you need somebody in your life that will call to you and call you out. To try to convince you that just making it isn't enough. 
you got to have a voice in your life that is consistently, constantly calling out to you and say, don't settle for that. There's more than that. That's what we find in this story. Elijah arrives right in the middle of her settling for rations and says, God has more for you than that. I want you to notice that the text says this, that God told Elijah, I have instructed a widow to feed you. But I began to read that passage again, and, and, and it kind of took me back because when I read the passage, this lady doesn't act like she's instructed. She acts like she's dejected. I, I, I don't see anything in this account that tells me that God had given her a word before Elijah got there because there's this dejectedness about her. I want to tell you this morning, listen to me, that we cannot allow ourselves to become dejected in our current situation to the point that we miss God's instructions. Many of you have been so dry and so barren and so tired that God has been sending you instructions, but the dejection of your own life has caused you to close your ears off. And what you need is somebody to rattle your chain a little bit and to pull on you and declare to you that there's more in you than that. And God has something for you and there's a promise for you. I believe that, that that's what I've been trying to do over the last three weeks. I've been trying to call out the promise of, of God that he has given us as a body. I'm trying to call you back to the feast when some of you have settled for rations and think it's always going to be like this. And I'm just trying to get by from Sunday to Sunday. And I hope I get enough from this Sunday to make it to next Sunday. We never started this thing for you to get to that place. I've been trying to call you back to the promises that are available to us. Let me just remind you about some of the promises that we have as a body. That If you are a part of this body, these promises apply to you. You missed it. I said if you are a part of, these, of this body, then by being a part of this family, then these promises apply to you. And I've been trying over the last three weeks to wake you up and to wipe the slumber out of your eyes so that you will once again recognize that these are the promises that have been made to us like this. We have been promised that we will be a people, people that are passionate about His presence and about praise and about people and about our our place. We are passionate about Pentecost. We are passionate about all about the things of God. We are people of passion. That's our promise. You're still not awake. We are promised to have life. We are promised to impact a community. You're getting it. We are, we are promised to see hundreds if not thousands saved. When you can't get saved people happy and excited about seeing people saved, then famine's in the land. We are promised to change the climate. That's a promise to us. We are promised, according to Psalm 103, we are promised to live a loaded life. There are benefits that we have because of being a part of this body and being a part of the family of Christ. We have been promised that we are loaded with healing and with salvation and forgiveness. We have been promised that we will impact and raise up the next generation. 
We are promised to raise up young men and women of God. We are promised to be a revival center, a restoration center where people are that are hurt come in and then they're healed and then they're set free. Those are the promises of God to us. And I'm calling you back to that. I'm crying out like Elijah cried out to the woman who had settled for rations. And I'm saying, don't settle for a snack. Don't settle for a crumb. Don't settle for a morsel. There's more in us than that. I'm calling you to get engaged in passion with those expectations again. Don't show up here satisfied with just a morsel or a snack. I expect more. I challenge you. Show up ready for a meal and refuse rations. I'm calling you to your instructed and your commanded level of abundance I'm calling you to your instructed and commanded level of authority. I'm calling you to your instruction and commanded anointing. I'm calling you to your instructed and commanded level of passion. There's more in us than just making it by. Don't lay down and die. What I'm saying is this, y'all. Let's let hunger drive us deep. Y'all miss that. Let hunger drive us deep. What does that mean? That means you can't wait till you get here on Sunday. You got to be hungry all week long. That means you can't just worship when you get here on Sunday. You got to worship all week long. That means you got to get into your word all week long. That means you've got to develop and 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 groom a spirit and a attitude of expectation about your life. I'm not saying be picky. I'm asking you to become pushy. So hungry, so desperate, so in want of all that God has for us that you will become pushy about it. Push for more. Refuse to settle for, 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 for starvation. Refuse to settle for just a little bit. See, the enemy knows this. Is he knows that if we come to this place where we become very content and satisfied with rations, that we will miss revival because revival is coming. All you have to do is read over history and you recognize that the darker it seems to get, it's against those backdrops and against that background and that climate that revival always comes. So let it get dark if it wants to get dark. Let it all fall apart out there. Let, let it all go to hell in a handbasket, so to speak. But I'm telling you, against that backdrop, against that environment, that is the situation in which God always births revival. And if we become satisfied with rations we will miss the revival that he wants to send to us the second thing I notice in the story is not new to us I've said this over and over again but I want to repeat it again until we get it and that is this is that obedience leads to abundance this woman was instructed to simply do something however simple obedience led to an abundance in her life I've said it before I'll say it again miracles are always found on the other side of obedience if you want to have more than rations, then you simply have to take simple steps of obedience to get to revival. I've noticed that 
some things over the last months and years of our body, and not just this body, but since we're responsible for this body, I, I want you to understand this. I've noticed that people that are satisfied don't like to obey. They like to argue. You can serve them steak, and they'll argue that it wasn't the right kind of steak. Ooh, it's quiet in here. Okay, I, I've, I've realized that full people, they don't obey, they fight. Uh, Max Lucado said it best. He said, when fishermen don't fish, they fight. I've discovered that when, when people get full, they fight too, because then it's about protecting territory and claiming limelight. Y'all didn't come for this. Full people want to wait on others to do what they were instructed to do. I was instructed to greet, but I'm so satisfied with just doing this thing the way I'm supposed to do that I will let somebody else greet, and then I'll stand over in the corner with my arms crossed and see if anybody talks to me, and if they don't, I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about some other church. I was instructed to take care of the children. Okay. I wasn't, okay. Hungry people, what I've discovered is this. Hungry people are always willing to obey. Go and get the biscuit and make it and bring it back to me. And she obeyed. Hungry people will do things that make absolutely no sense. Go get your Bojangles biscuit, the last one. You can't get back to North Carolina to get another one. It's the last one you've got to your name and bring it to me. Are you out of your mind? That makes no sense. I've already eaten, I've already eaten like 19 of them. But, but, and so I'm full, so now I'm going to argue with you. Her last biscuit. She didn't argue. She obeyed. Hungry people are willing to take crazy leaps of faith. She didn't argue. She didn't complain. She didn't make any excuses. Well, she did. But it didn't last very long. She just obeyed. Hungry people obeyed. I am convinced of this, what I believe is a fact, that most of us, that for most of us, the lack of obedience in the simple things leads to famine. So today what I want to do is I just want to call you back to doing some simple things. I want to call you back to obey, to obedience. I, I, I simply am calling you to do this. Simply pray. Simply give. Simply serve. Simply seek. Simply do all these little things that we've been called to do. Simply prepare. Simply expect. Simply invite. Isn't it crazy? It's crazy to me that for most of us, when we find the best restaurant in town, we don't want anybody else to know about it. Because then we'll have to wait for the table. When it ought to be that when we've experienced what we've experienced, we want to tell everybody.
as we simply obey, we will see famine broken in our lives and the early stages of famine broken off this church because there will be people that are obeying the instructions that God has given them. What has God called you, called you to do here? What has he told you to do here? Have you obeyed? What has God told you to do at work? Have you obeyed? I don't like work. It's, I hate work. It's the worst place on earth. Everybody there is crazy. I, they drive me nuts. But, but if God gave you instructions to be the light, but you won't be the light because you don't like the environment in which he called you to be the light, then famine will break out in your office. Whereas instead, if you would obey, because we're promised to change the climate, you would walk in every morning with a smile on your face and right in the middle of crazy people, heathens. And famine would go away because you obeyed. What's God told you to do at home? Have you obeyed? What's God told you to do at school? Have you obeyed? Obedience leads to abundance. If we refuse rations, we must willingly obey. Last few statements. The last thing I noticed out of this account is this, is that her obedience broke her famine. I didn't put that in your notes because I want you to write it your way. Her obedience broke her famine. I got news for you this morning. I'm going to be real straight up with you like I've never been in my... I'm never straight up with y'all. Okay. Um, if I could break your famine, I would. But I can't. If our worship team could worship to the degree of breaking your famine, I promise you they would. If our pastoral team could just make the declaration, famine over. So all that you would be all of you would be blessed and you'd be walking in abundance. They would. But this lady apparently understood that it, her famine was her responsibility. And all I can do, and all they can do is they worship, and all they can do is they pray when they pray over you, and all we can do as a team is we can point it out and say, hey, come on, wake up. Don't settle for rations. But you have to obey to break the famine off of your life. You have to do it. You are responsible for your own walk. You are responsible for your own journey. You are responsible for your own level of passion. You are responsible for your own level of expectation. You are responsible for your own level of preparation. You are responsible for your own level of worship. You are you're responsible for your own level of reading. You are responsible for your own level of prayer. You are responsible and I cannot, I cannot, I wished I could, I wished I could, I would if I could, but I can't. All I can do is call to you and say there's more. The last 10 years have been good. But good can become the enemy of great if we become satisfied and content with good. Worship team, will you come quickly this morning? You must obey for your ob abundance. What simple but uncomfortable instructions has God given you? Obedience leads 
to abundance. I feel like a voice crying in the wilderness. Some of y'all are smack dab in the middle of wilderness. You're as dry as you've ever been. You're as famished as you've ever been. And you've convinced yourself that it's always going to be like this. And I feel like a voice crying in the wilderness. I'm trying to convince you there's more, y'all. There's more than what we've seen. Eye has not seen. Ear has not heard. Our eyes have seen so much. Ten years later, our eyes have seen so much. Our ears have heard so much that now we're convinced this is all there. There's more. There's more. If we would simply allow our hunger to drive us deep. Father, this morning I pray that you would shake us. I pray that apathy would be abandoned this morning. God, my prayer this morning is that you would shake us this morning as a body. Shake us beyond as a body. I pray that you would shake us individually. God, if I could stand up here and pray a prayer that would break famine, I would do it. But it really comes down to whether or not we as individuals would refuse to settle for anything less than what you've promised. You didn't give your life for us, Jesus, so that we could scrape by. You didn't give your blood for a church so we could come to service and let our eyes glaze over. You didn't go through the brutality of crucifixion so that we could come together, clock in, spend an hour, go home, and have no impact and no influence. There's more. I'm asking you this morning, Father, somehow do what I cannot do. I cannot do this. I'm asking you to challenge your people to become hungry again. There are folks under the sound of my voice this morning, Father, that used to spend hours in prayer. They would lay on their face and they would cry out in a spirit of desperation, more, more, more. And now the prayers become, just get me through Monday. there are people in this room this morning they used to long to be in your presence and now we cannot endure your presence for more than 20 seconds and we're so consumed about what's being done on Facebook that we got to go back and check it we can't we're so distracted Make us hungry again. Cause us to desire again. Let a spirit of desperation overcome us again. Let a spirit of hunger erupt inside of us and cause us to pursue you. May the cry that started this whole thing 10 years ago reach 
may it reach a deafening level. The cry was for more, not better, more. We want more of you. We want more people to be saved. We want more people to be set free. We want to have more impact. We want to have more ability to live obediently. We want to have more ability to live holy. We want to have more righteousness. We want to look more like you. We want more. Fill us with it. That's the cry of our heart this morning, Father. Will you stand with me this morning? As our worship team leads us this morning, if you want to come to the front, that's fine. I was going to have everybody, but I don't feel like I need to because you can hide. But would you, as they sing, just, we're not going to tell you long, but would you just take a few moments and would you just pursue God with everything that is within you? Would you ask God if there's any dryness in me? Would you please, would you please flush famine out of my life? If there's any tendency to be satisfied, content, would you please allow the Holy Spirit to make you passionate again? Would you do that this morning as they lead us? Come on, guys, lead us in a pursuit of Him this morning. Overflow in this place, fill our hearts with your love, your love surrounds us. You're the reason we came to encounter your love, your love surrounds us. Overflow, overflow in this place. Fill our hearts with your love, your love surrounds us. You're the reason we came to encounter your love, your love surrounds us. Overflow, overflow in this place. Fill our hearts with your love.
It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.